This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. The goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He plays. Oh, he's going hard with that. Red Raiders. Bunny at the 10. Bunny up the right sideline. Yeah, he's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first. Hello and welcome to the Republic of Football show that doesn't have anything negative to say about Texas A&M, so it's a pretty good week as far as they're concerned, considering last week we had to talk about them and everything going on in college station next to me is our college football insider unless he has some news to break about AM. mike craven do you have anything nothing so far today okay. it's still relatively early good no suspensions no no injuries no, no. injuries no suspensions okay. think, think they got found a quarterback you think they found a quarterback all right cool mallory hartley do you have news to break about AM? no okay <laughs> there's our producer mallory hartley uh cool so basically uh First of all, the difference in this show is we have a headline uh, that's not game-related. Mike Craven, have some bad news. we got to talk about the playoff. Ah. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, you know, TCU is actually unbeaten right now, and so therefore we had to actually pay attention Tuesday night to ESPN and what the college football playoff had to announce. And um, to the surprise of many, not me, because I know that this is a made-up poll made up by people that have no interest in putting the best teams in there as far as the ones that make them money. TCU was placed seventh. Uh, of course, they were leapfrogged by Alabama, who has a loss. And I'm trying to think of those. No, that was that was really only the egregious one. I'd say. I mean, they had the same resume as Clemson. Right. Clemson's That's true. four. Yeah. Good point. My favorite game to play is like if Texas had TCU's resume. Yeah. Where would they rank? Much oh, higher. Oh, they'd be four. They'd and be if in. TCU, they'd be in I there. agree with you. Four. Yeah. They'd right? be in there. And if TCU had Texas's resume, they wouldn't be ranked. <laughs> You know? Yeah. That's, that's a, a really good point. good point. And so, like, this is an invitational. Yeah. And that's why I roll my eyes when we talk about this. We're, we're not frustrated because we have to talk about TCU being really good. No, yeah, And exactly, possibly, exactly. No. you know, competing for a national championship. It's because this is fake and make-believe. And maybe when it gets to 12, it gets a little bit better. But mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to take seriously because I'm not sure they do either. Right. No, I completely agree. Um, Texas, of course, got ranked 24. Um, as you see, if you're watching us on live stream, um, you know, you can see the graphic that Mallory just put up. But yeah, so TCU 7, Texas 24, those are the only uh, Texas teams ranked. Of course, Oklahoma State, if you want to get into the Big 12, Oklahoma State at 18, uh, Kansas State at 13. You know, of course, this is it's, it's November, right? So this could look very, very different, mm-hmm. right? Um, I guess you can almost presume that barring Tennessee and basically put it this way if Tennessee and Georgia end with one loss each in the year they're probably both in right yeah. Ohio State probably you know we'll figure out which between them and Michigan are probably going to get in yep. Clemson you know barring anything they're, they they might win the ACC and they might get in who knows and so it does feel like that TCU needs some help there because um, it doesn't feel like their their resume or their soon to be resume at the end of the year is going to be enough to to push them in um which again raises the ultimate question of well, you know, what's the playoff good for if you get the job done and two teams that are still have one loss potentially still get in ahead of you? Um, it's kind of why I liked. It's kind of why I liked last season so much. 
because like none of the, I didn't like last season. And uh, I'm not saying that I liked it because none of the teams were good enough to make that conversation. But they just robbed us of that conversation, right? None of the teams had the resume to where we had to pay attention on Tuesday nights to be, well, does Condoleezza Rice like TCU? You know, <laughs> like I, I didn't have to sit there and wonder if the guys in if the guys in, uh, sitting in a room liked a certain resume over another. Um, I could just say, you know what? I don't have to pay attention to that because I can just pay attention to when they go to the Cotton Bowl or you know the, some other New Year's Six Bowl. I just I hate bad faith arguments. Yeah. And out of one side of their mouth, they'll talk about TCU is not this complete team who right. has fallen behind some opponents, and then you point out that Clemson's done the same thing, and they're right. like, well, no, we're looking at the like it just doesn't it never adds up. <laughs> or like Bama, who's like hasn't yeah. looked like Bama right. this I mean, year, right? They, they probably but they're still up there. I was about to say, yeah. yeah, like I get it. Like they're brand, it's a brand name, right? They lost to just that's admit what it, it is. It, it, that's that's literally all it is is yeah. their just brand names. I mean, just it. like you just mentioned with TCU and Texas, if right. they were to switch, I right. mean, Texas would be in the and the I, top I'd pool. be all for it if they just said it. Like, hey, we're in yeah. the business of just making money. It. Yeah. We're going to, within reason, get the four best teams that also make us a boatload of money. Yes. If they would yeah. just come out and say that, mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, okay, well, at least we know what it is. Right. But like this whole idea of fairness and parity, is just, it's just make-believe. The One last thing I will say, yeah. if TCU wins out, they're in. Yeah. Uh, if TCU they goes undefeated to, yeah. and wins the Big 12, they're in. Because the Pac-12 has a one-loss team. That Tennessee-Georgia-Alabama triumphant has to play all of each other. Mm-hmm. Whoever wins Georgia-Tennessee this week will eventually play Bama in the SEC championship, and that will be figured out. Uh, Michigan-Ohio State play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I do think if TCU runs the table, they're in. The problem for TCU is they have to run the table. They have right. to. They lose one game, they're completely out of it. Exactly. I think the other thing was uh, along that lines, I'm trying to think, there's no precedent of an unbeaten Power 5 team getting left out, is Right, there? no. So, so no. you know, I don't know if they want to establish – they definitely don't want to have that conversation, right, because mm-hmm. it's easy to do that to – you know, I know Cincinnati got in last year, but it's easy to do that to a Cincinnati. Right. It's not easy to do that to a team like TCU who basically runs the table and wipes the floor with the Oklahomas and Texas of the worlds, and then all of a sudden gets left out. It would require an undefeated Pac-12 champion. Sure. Yeah. Because right, right, then, exactly. then that would change the math a little bit yep. of like which one are we leaving out? Because yes. the SEC is always going to get one, maybe two. Maybe two yeah. Clemson, if they're undefeated, Big Ten champion, that leaves one spot. So if Big 12 and if USC was also undefeated, mm-hmm. TCU would be in trouble. And exactly. there, there's not an undefeated Pac-12 team, no. is there? No. Yeah, USC, they all have, at least have one. Lost and Oregon's got Oregon a loss. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, speaking of TCU, let's get to our games of the week because Mike Craven is a crazy man, and he's going to try to do what no man has done. Actually, I don't know if no man has done it before, but he's trying to hit all uh, half of the uh, teams in the FBS in this state in one weekend, and we're starting off with this one. Mallory, let's go with the games of the week. Let's get it. First, let's head over to TCU because they're hosting Texas Tech this week. Uh, Saturday, November Fifth at 11 a.m. You can watch it on Fox. TCU coming in as nine and a half point favorites. The over under is set at 71. Craven, are you pumped for this game? Because I think the entire nation is also pumped for this game. I'm pretty pumped for this offensive mind matchup. Yeah. Garrett Riley versus Zach Kitley is something I'm intrigued by. I'm concerned for Texas Tech that this one becomes a blowout, though, if they turn the ball over. TCU has the best turnover yeah. margin in the state at plus six. Texas Tech has the worst at minus seven. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's like 123rd in the nation for Texas Tech. Giving up a lot of sacks. They're allowing 3.7 or 3, 3.75 sacks per game. Texas Tech, you know, Baylor turned them over five times. They sacked them six times, and, and they ran the ball down their throat. If I'm TCU, I know we talk a lot about Max Duggan, Quentin Johnson, that passing attack. I would look at Kendra Miller and says, this is your game. 
Mm-hmm. We're going to give you 30-plus carries, and you're going to run the ball down their throat over and over again. That's what Baylor did against Texas Tech. It kept that offense off the field. It kept that offense out of rhythm, and that helped the defense. So I think if you're TCU, you just look at the tape from last week, and you just follow that exact same recipe uh, to beat Texas Tech. On the Texas Tech side, there's nothing they can do to fix their offensive line. Right. That's that's an off-season problem. That's mm-hmm. probably a year or two, three-year problem, Maybe. right? And so that's going to require a whole overhaul. Zach Kelly's going to have to earn his paycheck this week and figure out which quarterback gives them the best chance, not overall as the best quarterback, but overall as the best quarterback behind this offensive line. Mm-hmm. Yep. I wonder – because basically we saw last week, we saw Baron Morton, one, look like a quarterback playing behind a bad offensive line, but also playing like a quarterback still in his first year of starting. Yeah, his fourth ever start. Yeah, exactly. Third ever start. Yeah. And so Joey McGuire kind of – he kind of threw a lot at the wall, right? Just trying to see what stuck, right? He threw Tyler Shuck in there. He threw Donovan Smith in there. I I would like to say he sticks with Baron Morton, right? I think last week was just like, hey, get, he's off today. You know, we'll, we'll pull the young kid. We'll see what he's got. He, we know he's the future. He's, his job's not in jeopardy. Um, but I do wonder with that line of thinking about the offensive line a little bit. He's like, man, he's my guy's getting kind of banged up back there, right? Is this more of a Donovan Smith time for him? Now, I will say – you know, does he also see TCU's defense as, you know, potential bait for Baron Morton, right. right? TCU's not a big pressure defense. Exactly. And we know their secondary can be God a little bit. And yeah. so does Baron Morton give you the arm talent to do that to where you're not as worried about him getting knocked around in the pocket a little bit? And maybe you are, maybe you don't want to sacrifice, uh, you know, because even though Baron Morton had turnovers last week, you know, we know Donovan Smith is that kind of quarterback. Yeah, so. He also threw one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so out of what, two passes? He had like two yeah, passes. All three them. quarterbacks threw an interception for <laughs> yeah. Texas Tech last week. So nobody's turnover prone. And nobody's uh, turnover. Tyler Shuck's uh, first pass back was a pick six. <laughs> oh, no. Wasn't it like th- that was such a weird situation? They threw him in like the shadow of his own goalpost. Yeah. Like it was very weird. They ran an out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That was that last week was just a lot for Texas Tech. But uh, yeah, none of these quarterbacks are turnover averse, I'll say. And so I would probably presume that Baron Morton would stay in mm-hmm. there, um, particularly because, you know, you're going to need an arm to get you out of this game. So, yeah, I'm fascinated by this one. This one probably can get in the 40s, but I'm worried that TCU can get in the 50s potentially. <laughs> like, that's my kind of worry with this as far as I'm, if, if I'm tech. Yeah, I, I think. You know, Sonny Dykes and Joey McGuire are in their first year at their program. Yeah. But it's amazing how different of a situation they stepped into. Right. Yes. You know, you talk to Sonny Dykes, and he said all offseason, that offensive line is the strength of his team. And mm-hmm. four of those five guys were there when he got there. Yep. You know, he, he brought over, uh, you know, Alan Ollie from, from SMU. But other than that, those guys were there. You go, I mean, I was around that Texas Tech football team for 48 hours. They're small. Yeah. They're just not a big unit. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to take – you can fix your skill position through the transfer portal. You can fix some of your defensive problems through the transfer portal. Offensive line, defensive line has to be recruited and developed. And what we saw last week for Texas Tech is a Baylor team that had three years of that versus a Texas Tech team that only had one. I know that Tech and TCU are on even playing fields in terms of this coaching staff development, but it feels mm-hmm. like TCU is just light years ahead in terms of just offensive line talent. Right. I mean, you look at you look at the situations in which their previous coaches came in, right? Texas Tech was trying to establish a completely new identity with an outsider coach, and TCU is a legacy built up over 20 years. That yeah. just happened to the, – the main guy happened to maybe lose touch of what made that program successful. So, yeah, yeah different scenarios completely. So, yeah, it didn't surprise me that they're completely working with – uh, two different situations there. What's next, Mallory? Our next game of the week is Ishes. 
Texas traveling to play Kansas State this Saturday at 6 p.m. You can watch it on FS1. Texas coming in as two and a half point favorites, and the over under is set at 54 and a half. Are y'all surprised that Texas is, is is favored on the road? Craven, I will pass the ball to you, buddy. I am floored <laughs> by this. Texas is one yeah. and six on the road in Steve Sarkeesian's first twenty games, and that one win was over a TCU squad that fired Gary Patterson mm -hmm. two months later. Yep. Yeah, um, so they haven't beaten a good team on the road. I watched Kansas State in the lobby of a Lubbock airport beat <laughs> Oklahoma State forty-eight to nothing. The worst loss in Mike Gundy's career with a backup quarterback. Yeah, with a backup like, quarterback. Until Texas proves that it can go on the road and close a game, I know that they can go on the road and and get a lead sure. in a game. Yeah, right. I've seen them do that a decent amount of times, a double-digit one in the second half even. Yep. Uh, but until they prove that they can hang on to one over four quarters on the road against a good team, I just, for me, I, I can't see it happening. When I saw this line come out on Sunday, I immediately jumped on it. Yeah. I Last week might have been the most – confusing blowout I think I've ever seen <laughs> like and that's not hyperbole like con legitimately confounding confusing I just checked the score I was like what is what what's happening like people say well Spencer Sanders wasn't it well they were getting beat when Spencer Sanders was in the game too so like that wasn't <laughs> like that wasn't yeah. just a Spencer Sanders didn't play defense I was about to say and so I agree like we just do not know that this Texas team one can play four quarters and two can play on the road right I would be and so, terrified if I was Texas <laughs> I, it's 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 so we were talking about this before the before the show every underlying metric loves Texas loves them absolutely SP plus has them sixth right what was the other metric you were referencing has them top F FPI has them top 10 I think as well like so what what is this and this kind of I guess this answers the 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 road and second half question is that an indictment or a uh, flattering of Steve Sarkeesian? I think in combination with the second half performances and the lack of ability to win on the road, that is an indictment. You have this talented roster that's putting up insane numbers, and you're not winning. <laughs> you're not winning. Blue chip ratio suggests you're the best team in the Big 12. Defense, the best scoring defense in the state, yeah. right? Top 25, 28 scoring defense in the, in the nation. You got Bajan Robinson. You got Quinn Ewers. You have a pretty talented offensive line. Everything is there and points to Texas being a much more improved team this year. Yet they're five and three. They blew a lead on the road against Texas Tech. They blew to, blew a lead on the road against Oklahoma State. I just I'm a proof in the pudding kind of guy. Sure. And we've seen over and over again this Sark led team disappoint. They're ten and ten in his first twenty games. Mm -hmm. Charlie Strong was nine and eleven. Yeah. You know, and so. Yeah. This is what this team is. I, I just feel like you got to prove it before you kind of start earning those those gambling lines. But that said, this feels like the most the most important two game stretch for Sark. Mm -hmm. You play Kansas State on the road this week, and then you have TCU at home next week. Those are the two best teams in the Big Twelve. If you can win both of those games, I think at that point you can point to the project working. Yes. But if they lose both of those games, specifically if they lose those things in convincing fashion and they're five and five mm -hmm. going in the last two games and now you got to find a win to even get bowl eligible i mean arch manning being committed is the only thing keeping us from talking about steve sarkeesian on the hot seat honestly right. yeah. no exactly at that I, point yes exactly i think at bare minimum they need one and one at yeah. bare minimum you need to steal one and you cannot lose either by double digits yeah like you cannot be outclassed or blow a second half lead exactly like, it, it just you can't you can't these have to be following your own mm -hmm. path. These have to be competitive games where you're in it for four quarters, and we we haven't seen it. Uh, I think uh, 
And I will say, and we credit Steve Sarkeesian with the offense. I don't know how much we credit him with the defense. I know he's the head coach. I know it's not as linear as he has nothing to do with the defense if he's an offensive play caller. But I'll say this much. The Athletic put out their stop rate um, article for the most improved teams through the month of September. Texas has the number one most improved defense in terms of stop rate in the Power Five. They the, have the they went they went from five. a 64 percentage stop rate to a 69.7 nice uh, stop rate in the month through the month of October. Right? Gary Patterson is good. Yes, at defensive play. But goal. you know what that means, right? Hey, Sark, your offense needs to step up, <laughs> right? And we know how pretty his concepts can be. We obviously saw what he did with Alabama. We know that he's the guy as far as that's concerned. Top five play caller in the country, potentially. So but what is defense, it? I mean, well, no, it, we talked. It, it's, it's it's the, the culture, second, right? It's, no, no, it's the second half. I think he I think he feels himself a little too much. When a quarterback, when, when Quinn Ewers is off like last week, right? He wants to be the guy to get him out of it, yeah. right? He wants to be like, all right, I got it. I can scheme my way out of this, right? Instead of just getting back to basics, mm-hmm. you have two running backs who are going to be playing in the NFL next year. You, they, they completely ignored the running game in the second half. And I don't, it's yeah. not always the running game, but it's always something in the second half to where I think he, he's, he's, such a, <laughs> he's such a savant when it comes to offensive scheme that I think he wants to continue to work it out himself, right? He's like, no, 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 I got this. He right? sees it and he goes, well, that guy was open. Right. And he's not wrong. Right. But, but sometimes like, your players your can't not, get it there. I was about to say, Quinn Ewers is off. It's he's not, not a video game. It. Yes. You know, and so, like, just because you scheme a guy open doesn't mean you can get him the ball. Last year, he overestimated his offensive line's ability to protect a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Right. And this year, he's overestimating his quarterback's ability to be consistent. Last Two weeks ago, when they were playing against Oklahoma State, that game called for more short, immediate, intermediate routes to help Quinn Ewers get some confidence. And he just didn't do it. They kept taking big shot after big shot after big shot. I think I agree with Ish to where it's almost a victim of his own genius. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's like so confident in his ability to go score points that sometimes he doesn't read the game well and make the adjustments that are necessary in that game. He still sees it as just the chalkboard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, that's my thing. And And it's a locker room that's not used to winning. Yes. And so, th- so part of it is, I guess, culture, right? Yeah, sure. You're trying to turn, yeah, you're trying to turn that yeah. mentality, right? I, I think it's a bunch right. of players in there that aren't. I'm not, I'm not calling them individually losers, right? But they've done a lot of losing, yes. To where it gets into crunch time and they go, you can only revert back to experience in mm-hmm. the moments of pressure, right? Good here, or bad. The here we go again mentality. UTSA wins all the close games, and you can see them like feel fine in those moments, right? Mm-hmm. Because they've done it over and over and over again. Sam Khan had a great article out today about Frank Harris and UTSA and how they do that. Texas is on the other end of that spectrum where they've experienced heartache after heartache after heartache to where like they're trying not to lose mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. playing tight and they're play- they're, they're, they get worse as the game goes on because they start thinking about it. And yeah. I don't know how you fix that other than like you just win. Yeah. Right. They just need, a, for lack of a better word, a slump buster. Yeah. Like they and, just need one of those. And honestly, I mean, we saw, we th- I thought it would, we kind of thought it would, be that against Iowa State, right? That that uh, after, especially after what Brees Hall said last year and all that stuff, this could be it against Kansas State, right? Kansas yeah. State's one of the best coach teams, probably just coach teams in the country for what they are for mm-hmm. Chris Kleiman, what he's been able to establish there. The fact that they can go in with Will Howard last week and just dominate Oklahoma State without running the ball as much as they have been, right? Will Howard threw a ton, and it was Deuce Vaughn doing a lot. If they can go in and really match a team that's well coached on the road, okay, that. That becomes now your 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 linchpin win, your linchpin moment of your career if you're Sarkeesian. So, yeah, uh, it's huge two game stretch. Like I said, at worst you'd one and one, 
and you cannot be out of the game in any of these scenarios. Yeah. Well, they're moving to the SEC, so I don't know if the winning culture, the losing culture, is going <laughs> to. You got. You got to. I was about to say you got to fix it now because so. you're not going to fix yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to. Yeah, you, you got to start fixing that now, or it's not <laughs> happening. So, all right, let's move on to our last game of the week, and it's mine. UTSA playing UAB this Saturday at two thirty. You can watch it on Stadium once again. We love that Stadium Conference USA <laughs> duo that we got going on. UTSA coming in as one point favorites. The over under set at. 52. This one is going to be I think this one's going to be a really really good game. You could see the the I'm thinking of the Dave Chappelle Rick James gif with the AAC. It's like yeah. oh, when, they, when they see that when they see that uh, stadium deal they're just like UTSA yeah. like, come on. Come on. Come on over. I think Conference USA is trolling the teams that are leaving. <laughs> That'd be amazing. I, I would not put it's, it past, a, it's a conspiracy theory that no one like, wants oh, to okay, talk about. Well, you're on stadium. <laughs> well, especially because the two of the teams that are leaving are like probably going to be in the conference championship. I know. Now. Conference championship game it might be on stadium. stadium in, how much you would have bet? You know I'd respect conference. Yeah. I would. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's our kind of petty. I would too. I would too. Uh, no, this one's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, I agree. I think. I'm trying to figure out how to read this game exactly because I'm trying to figure out how to read UAB. Yeah, year. I was gonna say quietly UAB is not good. They're they're, not, they're four zero at home, and they're zero and four on the road. So they they've just got lost that to home. FAU. Yeah, they're on a two game skid. I think. Yeah. Western Kentucky and FAU. They've lost back to back games. That's a great point by Mallory. They have been a different team at home, and so we'll see what that's like. UTSA is also three and one, three and one on the road too. You give so. Jeff Trailer an extra week to prepare, and I'm taking Jeff Trailer. Yeah, sure. This is how I see that. Sure. They have more weapons. They have three. So there's two teams in the nation with three wide receivers on the Bolitnikoff list right now. One is UTSA, the other is Ohio State. Yes. <laughs> right? Tell me the difference. You so, can't. Right. right. <laughs> it's like seeing the Spider-Man meme, right? Um, and so, like, I just I believe in this the Roadrunners' ability to score, even with the offensive line injuries. I would imagine the extra week really helps the defense. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to be without Rashad Wisdom, and yeah. you could tell that hurt that secondary against North Texas. I would imagine they're, they're more prepared, more organized, a better secondary. It just feels like one of those games that UTSA would have to turn the ball over a few times to lose, and, and sure. to UAB's credit, UTSA has a minus six turnover margin. Mm. You know, they have been bad turning the football over. Mm-hmm. The thing, though, with UAB is if we look into the numbers, they're bad in the red zone. Offensively yeah. and defensively, they are bad in the red zone yeah. scoring touchdowns. If UTSA can force field goals, I believe in the offense enough to score touchdowns to outscore UAB. And also, do we know the quarterback starting for them? No. Because it was Jacob Zeno last week. Yeah. Formerly of Baylor, of course. Um, it might be Jacob Zeno again, you know. Um, so San Antonio guy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jay? Yep. Yeah, San Antonio so. Jay. So, yeah. you know, it's... Could have gone to UTSA. That's true. Yeah, you yeah. did. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll see. Because I mean, that was before Frank had taken over that job. That is very true. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So, I mean, so we know they have a guy with arm talent, right? Yeah. Um, you know, whether he's, whether he's the consistent guy that we kind of saw flash himself in the in the big 12 championship that one time i don't know but i will say uab's it's gonna be a strength on strength matchup in terms of utsa's passing versus uab's secondary um i believe they're 12th in defensive uh, epa per pass so that's their thing but they're awful against the run uab's 102nd in rushing epa on defense so I don't know. UTSA's obviously lived through the air in this whole year because one of obviously offensive line issues, but also the backfield's been banged up. They've kind of been in, inconsistent. So it might just be where UTSA's talent just wins out over their strength, which I probably would bet on anyway because nobody stopped that secondary all year. Um, but, yeah, I, 
the the thing about Mallory, the thing Mallory mentioned about their being a different team on at home versus on the road is interesting. But also, she also mentioned UTSA wins on the road as well. So um, it's definitely not the UAB we've been accustomed to seeing that powerhouse under mm-hmm. Bill Clark. Of course, since he's been gone, but um, I do think we're running out of teams that UTSA can kind of you can kind of pencil in as them struggling against towards the end of the year. I feel like this, I mean, Rice, they have Rice in two weeks, but it's kind of UAB and Rice as far as like the teams that I feel like, ooh, they can give them issues. And and if they know. beat this team, that gives them a tiebreaker over North Texas, UAB, and Western Kentucky. They're basically in the conference championship game at yeah. that point. So, And if it's a close game, I'm taking UTSA. They're 16-6 sure. and six in one they, possession uh, yeah. game since the start of 2020. So this this line is one point that suggests it's a close game. You know, the Roadrunners have proven that they know how to win those games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, let's switch into the wide zone. Congrats, Craven. Thank you. <laughs> um, let's start off with Houston at SMU this Saturday at 6 p.m. It says you can watch it on NFL Network. NFL is that Network. Correct? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. SMU. Rasheed Rice preview. Yeah. yeah. SMU coming in as two and a half point favorites. Over under set at 67 and a half. Is Speaking Darren of Morgan lines. Yes. Okay. Yes. He's going to play. I Breaking. Um, you heard it here first. If uh, Joe Hoyt probably has. <laughs> you heard it here second. I haven't looked on Twitter today. <laughs> I haven't looked on Twitter today, so I don't want to steal any scoop or anything, but he's going to play. Yeah. Um, speaking of lines I was surprised by. Mm-hmm. I was surprised to see SMU favored by yeah. two and a half. I thought That's this would be even or Houston minus three. Clay- Clayton Toon in that offense has been excellent since the bye week. Mm-hmm. Nine touchdowns, zero interceptions, over 300 yards per game, completing 76% of his passes since the idle week. SMU's, you know, even with Tanner Mordecai back, he hasn't played in a couple weeks. Sure. You know, so there's going to be some rust there. For me, this is about whichever offensive line protects better because – Getting to the quarterback is the only way either of these defenses can stop the other because mm-hmm. both secondaries stink. Right. Houston is better at rushing the passer than SMU, but I think SMU's offensive line is better. So if you told me which quarterback deals with more pressure, I think I could tell you who wins the game. That makes me feel like Houston has the advantage. Yeah. And Houston has a better running game. Stacy Sneeds ran the ball pretty well the last two weeks. The offensive line seems to be figuring it out. I know it's on the road, but Ford Stadium's not this hard place to go play. Right. No, there was nobody I, there for the TCU game. Right. <laughs> so well, they, they were they I were mean, there. Craven, they were there. They were just in line trying to get water. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a good point. I was about to say, Craven, that's very by generous half. of you to say it's not a hard place to play. It's Thank probably, you. It's probably an Thank easy, you. pretty easy Thank place you. to play. I have to, uh, I, you know, I got to cover all twelve teams. I try to be kind of nice, but. Um, I don't think it's an intimidating place to play. And so I, I don't know if I, you know, the travel's all that hard. Um, so I think I lean Houston, but, mm-hmm. you know, they're a hard team to count on with how they've played so far this year. It, it, yeah, this is going to be, this is really Houston's first test after the bye week, right? Yeah. Because oh, sure. you meant, we mentioned the teams, we mentioned them needing the bye week and them looking good. They played pretty bad teams after the bye week. But to be fair, they've looked more consistent since then. Or even, honestly, if we take the whole season as a whole, Houston is on the upward trajectory yes. as far as – because when Tanner Mordecai was out, hurt, he didn't look great when he got hurt, right? Yeah. So he was starting to go kind of tail off yeah. a little Turn bit. Turn the ball well. over a lot. Exactly. And so it started to look like Preston Stone should have just been the guy for, you know, uh, going forward. And What a bad injury. It was a, I know. The, uh, really unfortunate, man. Ted Preston Stone was looking like the guy that SMU needed yeah. him and wanted him to be. Um, hopefully he comes back next year and looks looks pretty damn good, continues. Yeah. But, yeah, Tanner Mordecai was kind of trending down a little bit. So, And I feel like as bad as Houston's defense has been, 
SMUs has been worse. Yes. Like very much yeah. worse. Secondaries. Sec- yes, exactly. Yes. Both secondaries are a wash, but SMUs in particular yeah. has been god awful. So I think that's why I lean Houston too. Parker's numbers, uh, stats of war on Twitter also like SMU slightly, right? It's like literally 59, 50.5 for 49.4, yeah. you know, like very, very slim. But it is interesting. Like, are they not trusting Houston against those bad teams off the bye week? And are they just kind of looking at it? Because this is where this is where kind of like analytics versus, you know, kind of just observing the game kind of differs, right? Yep. You probably look at that and say, well, they beat a bad team. Who cares? But also, if you watch the games, you're like, they look crisper, right? They just look like they're executing better. I would love to see the October splits. Sure. Yes. Yes. Very much so. You know, like point. I'd love to see what that stat, what that looks like over the first nine weeks of the season, and mm-hmm. what it would look like if we just used the last four. Yes. I think Houston point. would be a sixty to forty favorite in that case if we mm-hmm. only lo- use the last month of the season. And here's the thing that I here's where I would give SMU the fa- the the slight edge if it hasn't been disappointing. I would love to see what happened to that SMU run game. Yeah. We thought that would be. A deep backfield. I don't know what's going on with Kamar Wheaton, right? I don't know if that's just just, it just can't discipline. stay healthy. It's just right. little yeah. things. It's and, just yeah. nagging. But even if it's not just him, right? Yeah, we feel like exactly. We yeah. thought they would just have a deep backfield because that's where you could get Houston's front seven has been gashed through the run. Yeah. And that's where SMU could really win the game. They haven't run the ball well. They haven't run the ball really at all. And so the one we- the one real weakness of this Houston defense, uh, worse than their secondary, is that front seven, and they can't take advantage of it. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take Houston in this one. Yeah. All right, next wide zone game. Texas A&M hosting Florida this Saturday at 11 a.m. You can watch it on ESPN. Texas A&M com- coming in as three-and-a-half-point favorites. The over-under is set at 54-and-a-half. Florida's bad. They should be. Florida's I think pretty, they, Florida's bad. Florida's pretty bad. Um, you kind of hope that you kind of hope that the rhythm that they got into with uh, Connor Wigman last year kind of carries over. Um, we mentioned how AM's kind of running out of games that <laughs> they could probably be expected to to yeah. to, to win. Um, this is one of them. You kind of hope this will be it, right? Uh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, five five game losing streak for the Aggies. <laughs> Uh, they're lucky they pulled that Arkansas game, right? I mean, that, that looking back. 100 yards yeah, fumble recovery right. swung the game, man. Because um, they'd already be on on the edge of bowl ineligibility uh, with that loss. They can win three out of their last four. And three, you know, they got Auburn, uh, UMass or UConn in there. I can't remember which one off the top of my head oh, for yeah. whatever reason. Uh, UMass, I UMass. believe. Um, and then this Florida team that, as Mal mentioned, is not very good. So they could win their next three. Connor Wigman looked great. Uh, last week in spurts mm-hmm. looked really good early, really good late. We'll see if he can get a four quarter football game. What I was excited about was his emergence kind of showed the talent on the outside. Yeah. Yes. Evan Stewart's really good. Moose Muhammad's better than he gets credit for. I'm really high on Donovan Green. I think Donovan Green's going to be one of the better tight ends in the state. I think he takes a JT Sanders type jump as a sophomore. And it looks like Wigman, you know, ha- being a guy who's camped with those dudes who probably mm-hmm. played a lot with them in the spring and over the summer had some good timing with them. What shocked me as much I, I thought the AM offense would struggle because I don't believe yeah. in Jimbo's system and you know I, I just don't mm-hmm. right so I thought the offense would be not as bad as it has been but I, I didn't think it'd be great I thought the front seven would be much better for AM. Mm-hmm. they give up 390 yards rushing against Ole Miss and then I went and looked at the stats they only have 13 sacks on the whole year mm-hmm. that's with a bunch of four and five star guys yep. up front right um, they're just not getting it done on defense and when your offense is struggling 
you need to come up with big plays defensively. And they've been a decent scoring defense, but they're not making big plays. They're not getting turnovers. They're not getting sacks. They're not getting tackles for loss. And when A&M's been good under Jimbo, the defense has been opportunistic. Sure. I will say this is going to be something that's weird for me to say about a Florida team. This is going to be the worst defense A&M probably faces. Mm -hmm. Like, they they have been awful this year. 42 points last week against Georgia, 45 given up against LSU. Um, even 24 against a pretty bad Missouri team. Like this team has b- 30, uh, 28 against South Florida, right? This has been a bad Florida defense. Yeah. And this could be a confidence builder for Connor Wigman, who operated pretty well outside of, remember, outside of that, those middle eight plays, right? We're kind of towards the end of the second half or into the first half, start of the second half. They started great. They ended decently, not great, but decently. Connor Wigman kind of overcame a lot of the weaknesses we see. And also, I think Jimbo did make some adjustments as well. He he schemed a lot of guys open. Those first opening scripts were pretty nice. Yep. And so it was a lot of stuff we had not seen this year. I think that might be enough to get through to get Florida to get past Florida, right? If they can get to the infamous 24, <laughs> right? I yeah. think they could do it. Um, but the only problem is last week was the only time they were able to do it in the past year. So Yeah. And they're sitting at three wins. Three and five. Three and five. Three so and five. Just, so got got to do. You just come <laughs> this on. This one and needs they finish, to be it. <laughs> they finish with LSU, yeah. who's getting good. Yeah. Yeah. And no, so that's that's not. You got to win the win. next three if you're trying to go bowl eligible. And with a young team like the one A&M has, those bowl practices are important for. Absolutely. I was about to say, yeah, you don't got guys opting out. <laughs> you're right. not going to get Evan Stewart you get opting out of a bowl. Extra game. practices. No. Exactly. You right. know, and that that can go a long way with a young roster. Right. All right. Moving on to our next wide zone game. Baylor traveling to play Oklahoma this Saturday at 2 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN Plus. Oklahoma favored by three. There are weeks. There are sorry, I'm sorry. No, you're good. (laughs) There are weeks where I feel really aligned with gambling books, Mm -hmm. and then there are weeks where I battle against the books, where I'm like, "Am I a genius?" Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's, that's how you battle with it. You're, right. just, you're like, am I actually great? Right. It, <laughs> am I apparently, it's just this? met me. Um, <laughs> this one, this week feels like a weird week. Like, yeah, I, I feel like the Texas Kansas State line's out of whack. Here's another one I feel like is out of whack. Baylor's playing some really good football right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oklahoma's still Oklahoma. I know with Dylan Gabriel back, they're not the team that Texas beat 49 to nothing, but they're not that far off from that either. It feels mm-hmm. like Baylor's starting to play the type of football they wanted to play the whole year because Richard Reese is becoming that dude. Mm-hmm. When he has rushed for 19 or more times in a game, they are 3-0. and He has had over 30 carries the last two games. They leaned on Texas Tech. They beat him up in the trenches. That defensive line starting to get good. They had six sacks. We talked about the lack of playmakers defensively. Mm-hmm. Had five turnovers, five interceptions against Texas Tech. Baylor can quietly still make some noise in the Big mm-hmm. 12 if they win out. I feel like this is a game that's super infor- important for Baylor. Oklahoma's not playing for as much. I think Baylor's a better version of what Oklahoma wants to become. Sure. So give me the Bears here, even though that they're road favorites I th- or road underdog. I think I'd take them at the money line to pull this upset and, and make because they still have Kansas State and TCU on their schedule. If they win out, there's a possibility there that that Baylor can sneak in to a Big 12 championship game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oklahoma has beaten Kansas without their quarterback and Iowa State, which is probably sinking towards the bottom of the Big 12. So everybody's on the train again. They put up 27 against – like they didn't like kick Iowa State's butt, right? It was like Dylan Gabriel had less than 150 yards passing. They averaged under three yards a carry rushing. Like it wasn't this – 
glorious display. I I agree, man. Like we see what Baylor's looking like. They just kind of needed they needed a running back. They needed Blake Shapen to kind of settle down a bit, and they've done that. And yeah. they look like the steady ship now, right? So I agree. This line's weird. I don't know if this is just kind of narrative, right? People like the the biggest narratives we've we saw were Baylor's not as good as last year. And yes. Oklahoma isn't as bad as maybe that blowout loss to Texas. So, like, I don't know if that's just kind of hanging over this game, but it feels like that's what people are betting on right it's now. It's like, did they, did they completely just dis like throw away the game last week against Texas Tech? I don't know how many people so watched good. it. Bro, I was about to say that might be. You know, nationally, be I don't think I don't know how many people pay attention to that kind of stuff. Well, and then the other thing is yeah. the same Baylor team that lost on the road to West Virginia, lost on the road to, yeah. the B, to BYU. And I will say the we talked about underlying numbers with Texas. Oklahoma is a very similar yeah. underlying numbers mm-hmm. darling. They are 12th in SP plus, right? Ninth in offensive SP plus, 45th, of course, not great on defense. But it's one of those things where he's like, I don't know. With Texas, I can see like the issue, right? We obviously see the second halves and the, the weird coaching decisions sometimes. But, uh, Oklahoma, I'm just like, I just don't believe you're yeah. this you're good. good. You're right. not there. Right. I was yeah. about to say, you are not there, right? Is, is it all just Dylan Gabriel? Is that how good he or valuable he is that he leaves and all of a sudden they become like a bottom 50 team in the, in the country or what? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, yeah, it's there's something fascinating people about Oklahoma, and I just don't see it right now. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to our next – Wide zone game of the week. UTEP playing at Rice this Thursday at Ooh. 6 p.m. You can watch it on CBS SN. Rice coming in as three and a half point favorites. The over under set at 49 and a half. Craven, does that worry you that worry you that Rice is coming in as the favored team when they crapped the sheets last week against Charlotte coming the, in as the Craven Bowl. Favorites. They were <laughs> <laughs> It is the Craven Bowl. <laughs> I'm honored by that. <laughs> they were humbled last week. They yeah. were very you humbled. You know, last so week. if Rice is paying attention to gambling lines, they're in trouble. Yeah. Um this one's an interesting game to me cuz they're both really bad. Yeah. Right? And they both yeah. do a lot of the same bad things. Like they both turn the ball over a lot. Um the only thing I can think of here is the UTEP defense is actually better than Rice's defense. Do y'all want to guess who – I'm going to give this away by when I'm asking this question, but y'all want to guess who the worst scoring defense in the state is? Is it UTEP? It's the Rice Owls, 33.6. Oh, okay. We, we had a 50-50 chance, so we turn, got it wrong. They turn the ball over so much. Yeah. yeah. So much. Um, mm-hmm. And so, for me, it's going to be about that. It's going to be which offense – the Rice offense is more explosive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they have better wide receiver targets. TJ McMahon's probably a bigger upside quarterback. But, again, they turn the ball over a lot. That defense last week for Rice just really concerns me. Yeah. Like, Charlotte's not all that good, and they mm-hmm. put up a lot of points on them. UTEP is on the road. This is a really important game. I know that's going to make some people listening to this chuckle, but whoever wins this game – is right there for bowl eligibility at five wins. Whoever mm-hmm. loses this game is pretty much out, and that's the barometer for both of these programs. If you're UTEP, you you take a step back if you lose. If you're Rice, you're going to the drawing board if you lose. And so this feels like one of those Mike Bloomgren wins and protects his job or loses, mm-hmm. and there's some concerns going in there. I don't know if he would absolutely lose it if they don't get to a bowl game, but it feels like going into the American, they're faced with the same choice that North Texas is. Yeah. Who needs this game more, Mike Bloomgren or Dana Dimmel? Bloomgren, because Demo already got his extension. Fair. Yep, that is a good point. And you they're know? staying in Conference USA. I feel like that's that's also true, right? Yeah. You're you're more comfortable with UTEP. The pack is going to come back to you. Yes. Right. 
Whereas Rice, you're about to take a step even further, further. Mm-hmm. and you haven't gotten to bowl eligibility since 2014. You haven't won more than four games under Mike yep. Bloomgren. I feel like Bloomgren's making this program better, and they're more talented than they've been in the yep. last five or six years. Mm-hmm. But I agree. you still got to have results. You still got to win football games, and if you're not winning them now, what suggests you're going to win them later? Yeah. Right against better competition. That's so a good point. We need a we need another 65 yard breakout touchdown run by. TJ McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> that was unbelievable. That was might, ridiculous. Might happen against UTEP. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to our next wide zone game of the week. It's North Texas hosting FIU on their homecoming this Saturday at 3 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN+. Plus. North Texas coming in as 21-point favorites. The over-under is set at 63. So uh, I'm going to give this away. Similar to your last question where you gave it away uh, by asking – by when you asked it. So there are three names. <clears throat> Actually, there are four names right now in the top uh, that, I want, that I want you to know as far as uh, top touchdown passes in the nation. Drake May for North Carolina, C.J. Stroud for Ohio State, Caleb Williams for USC. Austin Ani. And one, Austin Ani. Yo, let's North go! Texas, fourth in the nation <laughs> in touchdown passes. Heisman. Heisman, give it to him. This resurgent thirty-year-old Heisman. He is (laughs) fifteenth in passing yards this season, right behind names like only behind names like Herndon Hooker, C.J. Stroud. Mentioned Caleb Williams. Frank Harris is up there as well. This guy's playing great. He's ahead of guys like Bo Nix, who probably will be in New York. He's playing phenomenally. They're playing balanced football because their run game's still stellar. Please hammer this team. <laughs> Please. It's homecoming. You're busting out the weird neon green with the weird worm the worm. helmets. <laughs> I, I hate those them. things. I love them. Oh, I hate I those love things. those it's things ugly. so much. I hate them. Uh, <laughs> I like them. I like them too. I'm going to wear my sw- I have a worm, I have a worm sweatshirt. I'm going to wear it tomorrow yeah. for you. No, the yeah. Jean Joe Green ones are the ones that We're they should be. We're 2-1. The only, only, yeah. only retros they ROF voted 2-1 on the worm uniform. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> Democracy oh. here. You had the mean Joe Green uniforms. Those would be the only retros you I have one more Austin Ani stat for you. Go for it. 16.13 yards per completion. That's, That's first number in one the nation. In the country. I did see that. Number as well. two wow. is Hooker. Number three is Stroud. You know, so the dude's balling. Last year he had nine touchdowns, nine interceptions. This year he has twenty-three and nine. Yeah. You know, he's thrown fourteen more touchdowns. Man, give us Ohio State. They're only ready. eight games, right? Like bring <laughs> give us on Ohio Alabama. State, I'm ready. Bring on Alabama. <laughs> um, I remember when I said North Texas was likely to make a bowl about three weeks ago, and I got shredded. Yeah. Shredded on Twitter. <laughs> They're a twenty-one point favorite to win their sixth game of the year. Uh, six bowl games in seven years, inside track to be in the Conference USA Championship game. Like it or not, Mallory Hartley. <laughs> Seth Luttrell is in your life for the next three to four years. And I love Coach Luttrell. I do. But that's the thing is, is you've got, I mean, we've got to remember they're moving up. Yeah, They're sure, going to be sure. playing harder competition. And, yes, they're doing well in Conference USA. But preseason I, or pre-conference-wise. Can we have an adult conversation? <laughs> Is the American next year all that much different than Conference USA right now? I think it is. Like I think it's better. UC, well, it is better. But like UCF, UCF is leaving. Cincinnati's leaving. Houston's leaving. We all kind of agree that SMU's probably that top-tier program Memphis. in the conference move in Memphis, Memphis, right? Well, they lost to Memphis. UTSA beat Memphis last year. You know? So, like, I think the top of UT, I think North Texas has proven it can play with UTSA. You know, they, they yes. last second touchdown loss this year, 
beat the brakes off of them last year. I don't think North Texas is that far away from being competitive in the American. I, I think we look at the American now and say, wow, that's a much better conference than Conference USA. Mm -hmm. But once the top end of that conference leaves, it just feels like Conference USA 2.0. And I don't think North Texas is all that far away from that. That's just my opinion. They could go four and eight the next couple of years, but I don't think they're too far away from being a middle of the pack American team. And that's all they should be expected to be over the next couple of years. I think to, yeah. to play kind of the middle here to Mallory's point where I probably would be concerned is we're now two years of them starting off the season pretty badly. Mm -hmm. right. right. Yes. And then to your credit, I think it's to Seth Luttrell's credit that they've been able to adjust and really turn into something. Because makeable. the competition is, is less. Well, I mean, not even that. Like, I'd say, like, they've even just played. Like, I don't think they beat UTSA or compete with UTSA if they played them in September. Right. I think if we're looking, if they play UTSA yeah. after SMU, right, losing 48 to 10, I think they probably lose by double digits. Right. I think there is adjustments on Seth Luttrell's part. That yeah, are playing, for sure. Adjusting to the team better. And so, but to your point, I do think it is a little troubling how they started out back-to-back -back years just pretty badly, right? We were like, again, back in September, we were like, after 48-10 to 10 SMU, you're like, well, yeah, the back? there's no way, right? We thought there was no way. We thought Marshall, Marshall Lasher, there's no way, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wrote I wrote a Seth Luttrell. Obituary, right? right. You were, you were I, like, I like, wrote it. Yeah. I have it saved on my computer. Because right. I thought after that game, there's just no way. And so I'm going to publish that, this eventually. And so to play kind of the middle here, and this is why, again, this is why wins like last week and then if they come out and stomp FIU this week right. right that would help where it's like okay now this probably is more what they should be like and what they can be like right mm -hmm. consistently if they close out the year with 40 to 13s against Western Kentucky and then get a rematch with UTSA lose close or beat them in the conference championship okay boom we're we're back on track right, right. obviously this is the direction we should still be going um but i do it it doesn't surprise me that there's still some some doubt based off two years back to back of weird starts where you're like, I don't know if, you know, what is the, what was that game? What was that team, right? Who was that team all the way through September until we got to October? Now we know a team that's perfectly balanced, plays great, not great, solid defense, good mm -hmm. defense, um, has a quarterback playing out of his mind right now, has a reliable running game. Where was that team, you know, to start the year? You had the whole offseason to work on that and you couldn't do it until you get to, uh, FIU or FAU I should say mm -hmm. so that's where I'm at with this team I think this program has proven that under Seth Luttrell it does have an identity now I'm trying to wonder like is that what he wanted from the beginning or was something where they working on all spring all offseason well that didn't work well so we have to adjust kind of to revert because again back-to-back -back years now of that kind of happening so right well that's those yeah and then, and then two of those uh pre-conference losses were to American teams. Sure, sure. sure. SMU sure, and sure, Memphis. Sure. Also, I'm not saying you should be doing backflips. I'm right, just right, saying right. that it's true. Yeah, yeah. You know? Right. Like, you go 6-6, six and 7-5, six, and 8-4, and four, and you play in the conference championship game, you're not going anywhere. Right. Yeah. Now, this is just a question. Would you say the, the bottom half of Conference USA is worse than the bottom half of oh, the current American? 100%. Oh, yeah. Right. 100%. Oh, so, so, yeah. FIU, uh, Middle Tennessee. I'm trying to think who else. Charlotte. Rose. Charlotte, yes. Yeah, yeah. Charlotte. I would take So, that's them. also a kind of a concern i guess I, th I think like i guess who's who's the bottom of the aac like tulsa yeah um, usf 
US, yeah, USF. Yeah, I'd take USF over any of those. Teams. Yeah, so yeah, I'd say yeah. so. Yeah, but um, they're better than those teams. Right. Exactly. No, that's a good. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I agree. Like no, it'll just be it'll just be harder week in and week out. I think for North 100%. Texas. Sure. Uh, getting to six and six will be it'll be much be, harder. Be much harder. They'll have to change the non-conference schedule. And I think it's a, a great point by Ish is that you can't treat the non-conference schedule like non-district high school stuff. Yes. Because yeah. you're you're not trying to just like finish at a certain pace in, in conference. You're trying to get to six, seven, eight wins. Right. And so. You know, seven and five needs to be the floor for North Texas mm-hmm. uh, moving forward. But I, I, you know, I think they're, I think they're right there if they can continue getting quarterbacks. Yeah, mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do, does 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 UTSA does without Frank Harris another? Yeah, I. I'm legitimately I, I am, curious. I can he, confidently say that I'm. I he's got another year left. Oh my god! So, oh, so bring does, back the Ani, man. So does Frank. Oh now that scares me. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and that, that could be like 30 me. versus 24. <laughs> that is, Let's get it. You know? Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Austin Ani is a junior. Oh, my God. That rules so much. Yeah. <laughs> that owns so much. We got we got to do like a we got to do a special graphic next year when North Texas and UTSA I just play again. Waiting for him to turn thirty. Yes, the 30, 24 year old quarterback yeah. going at it in college. Give it to yeah. me. I mean, Frank he might did. be twenty five by the time. Yeah, twenty five and thirty. Because he's going to be in his seventh year. I love that. That's awesome. I love that. Is that. Really cool. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you got to go to that game next year. You're going to that game next year. We we need a feature on that. Oh, <laughs> that's I love one. it. That's Hell a good yeah. One. yeah. All, right. All right. What's our last? I I will go anytime North Texas and UTSA play. I'm there. I was about to say that's yeah. gonna be a it's always, it's always a good, a good game. game. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad that th- I'm glad they're moving to to the American together. It, it, it's such a good rivalry. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to our last oh, game of the week. Ish, your Bobcats are back. <sighs> Texas. Well. They're playing, they and I don't know if they're going to be back. They won't leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Texas State they playing out Louisiana Monroe. <laughs> Listen, that's more relevant PM. now that they're playing UL Monroe. That is definitely right. They are on a field. They are on a field. Hey, the line's even, lines too. On them. The, 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 the line is even. So, stinks. <laughs> which is a little. Flip a coin. Yeah. Flip yeah. A co- look, this, uh, look, I don't. This team has three wins, four games left. It's not the toughest three games, uh, four game stretch in the world. There's probably two games where they can win, and then they got to steal one against South Alabama or Louisiana, which obviously is hard. But if you're playing for anything, you got to win this week, right? If you're playing for yeah. anything at any point this season, you got to win this week. They beat UL Monroe last year. Historically, they've been good against UL Monroe. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's, that's a funny thing to say. No, it is, right? Because who hasn't been historically <laughs> right. good against UL Monroe? Right. I was like, but, me too. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. They, I'm going to pick them to win just because they should, and that's the only thing they have to play for is if they get this and then Arkansas State in two weeks. So. I broke Ish's heart before the year or before the show started because scoring defense-wise in the state of Texas <laughs> goes like this. Texas, Texas A&M, Baylor, Texas State. They Fourth a, best scoring defense in the state, and they still only have three wins on the and year. They are squandering they, it. They, <laughs> instead of three and five, they should be five and three. Yeah, with an adequate offense. Yep, they're on a three-game winning streak in the Sun Belt. One of the favorites to win the, a division that's winnable. Mm-hmm. Like they are rolling if they have a competent offense at all. Sense. They're literally they're one hundred three yeah. and one fifteen pass and rushing EPA offensively. If they are eightieth and seventy fifth. Right, they are going bowling, and it is frustrating. They have yeah. the ninth best rushing defense, according to EPA, on defense. It was two weeks ago when you and I did the podcast. Who did Texas State lose to? They barely lost. Oh, Troy. Uh, Troy. Troy. Yes. 
It was we, after they beat App. Yes, because yes. we were really frustrated talking about that game because yeah. the defense played fantastic. They had Great. like th- they forced three turnovers, something, yeah. and the offense gave it away. And that just seems like that's the theme for yeah. this team. And that's concerning we when your head coach out. is an offensive guy, right? Yes. And so this this game isn't interesting to me if Texas State wins. Sure. Now, if Texas State loses, I am super interested. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because how long does it go? Right. right. How long do you like you you like does it does it when do you start making the move mm-hmm. right when do you, when do you start in in modern college football right and we're all Jake Spavitol guys yeah I don't I don't like having this conversation right. but it is it's, it mm-hmm. is what it is mm-hmm. with modern college football and how quickly you need to get in into the mix mm-hmm. you got a new president and all if you lose to Monroe do you just eject then? And start getting into the we're looking for a new coach mode and just get in line right I now. Think it, I think it helps, and ironically, we just talked about <laughs> North Texas. I think it helps that there's no other comparable programs in the state probably opening up. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. If the other two programs probably are Rice and UTEP, who are different scenarios, right? Completely. So North Texas was the one I think was potentially worrying, right? Because obviously that would be the better job if that opened up at the same time as Texas State. But now you're kind of negotiating against nobody. Mm-hmm. And so maybe Rice, but that's a different diff- right, Maybe different Rice, job. if somebody wants to deal with those recruiting things right. and that's things a different like that. Job. Mm-hmm. So yeah. a different con- pool. Exactly, yes, different different pool of candidates. So while I, I, I think if the move were to happen, if they lose this week, I don't think it would happen until if they lose next week. The minute they actually become ineligible for a bowl. Right. 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 That's when I think it might happen. Um, because, yeah, it's there's no – there's no like again this and this goes back to the negative of this of this of this tenure there's no recruiting class to save you mm-hmm. know there's no like you're not really like if you pull the ripcord what's what yeah. do you do you know you don't have to you really don't have to get a jump on the coaching search because you can take your time right, right. nobody's gonna look at is like well i don't know i'm gonna look at you know uh i don't know what else would open charlotte or texas state it's like no two different candidates right two different pools so you're not pulling from the same that's a good point. crop so that's my only thing i would say um but i agree that the next two weeks is that time. Yeah, this this is when we're going to kind of figure out mm-hmm. what's going on because he's heading into his last year next year. And as we know, coaches don't head into the last year of the contract. You either get extended or you get fired. Mm-hmm. And the Sun Belt's only getting better and better. Yeah, you so. know where you're going to be, right? Exactly. That's the other thing. You know where you're going to be. You know the conference isn't getting easier. It just got, I mean, at freaking James Madison. Who's and it's not even butt. that it's not getting easier. It's that you want to be a part of the party. Yeah. yeah. Like Texas State is in the coolest G5 conference going right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has yeah. the most cloud. Most it has the most fun. One, yeah. Most people talk about it. Like it, this, it's, it's got this cult status. Mm-hmm. You're the only Texas team in it. Mm-hmm. Like you should be a part of that. It should be like Coastal Carolina, App State, Texas State. Like they should be talking about you. Now, I know some of that's funding. And sure. backing and all that kind of, but like you need to step all in. Mm-hmm. Like I want to see Texas State step all into the, the FBS ranks, and right. it feels like they've half stepped the whole time they've been up there. Mm-hmm. If you do make a move, you need to bring some intention with it, mm-hmm. because if you're not, just keep Jake. Right. Like if this right. is just what you're going to back somebody with, just keep them. Right. But if you're really planning on like getting into this conversation as a Sun Belt contender. You have to make some changes, not only on the coaching staff, but behind the scenes. And it just needs to be a whole overhaul mm-hmm. of how Texas State approaches big-time college football. I agree. Yep. I agree. I and can't, yeah. The one, I mean, the worst thing that happened to Texas State, I think, since jumping to the FBS is UTSA and North Texas completely 
throwing everything funding yeah. at football, right? right? They open up Apogee Stadium in North Texas. They open up the indoor facility. Same thing with UTSA. They throw tons of money. They basically they make Jeff Trailer the highest paid G5 head coach, yeah. right? The race see, building. Exactly. They All that stuff. That right? weight room at UTSA is sweet. Yeah, exactly. Complete overhauls of everything to completely invest and go all in on FBS football and Texas State you know, had a head start on the UTSA and they drug their feet. Right. Um, so it's, yeah, it is what it is. Um, these next two weeks will be very, very fascinating when it comes to the future of the program, but that'll do it for us. Uh, Mike Craven, you will be hitting up three games this week, right? I think so. Try. The UTEP rice, the, what I'm worried about Friday weather. That's true. I'm All worried about getting stuck because yeah. it's going to be coming from Dallas to Houston, basically down 45. Um, and so yeah. like if I fly down there, I'm thinking about driving. I have a flight, but I'm thinking about canceling it and then driving. But I don't really want to drive through up that. 45 through that, and I can't get stuck yeah. because yeah. I can't miss TCU Tech and Houston SMU for UTEP Rice. Right. I'm sorry. Like I just I can't. You can't. You can't <laughs> talk your way out of that right. one. It's the I can't. Bowl. You I can't. It. I can't. I can't. And what's sad, so Rice is the only program left I haven't seen since I've taken the job. Uh, in person. Sure, sure, sure. So I want to go see Rice in person because I've seen all 11 other FBS programs plus three three FCS programs in sure. a D2 program. I've right. <laughs> seen Sam Houston, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, like, I need to go see Rice, and it seemed like the perfect game, but the weather just really concerns me. Yeah. So, so at the very least, you there. will see two. Yes. Right, you yes. will see two college yeah. games this weekend, so Craven will be doing that journeyman thing that he I'm very only, bummed. only crazy, crazy people do. So <laughs> hopefully the, well, hopefully we get like a Moses moment. The weather right. just clears right. like yeah. Yeah. on 45 yeah. and just like lets you. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like my, I just don't want to get stuck in Huntsville, man. I, 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 I don't want to be understand. driving back down 45 and being like, Oh, got to stay. I just got to stay in here. Huntsville. You know, like I'm g- I go hit up Casey Keeler. <laughs> that's the for only a, saving grace. For, yeah. Literally. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. yeah. So, if you see Mike Craven on the road, uh, <laughs> on the side of the road, we give, we give him a ride. Give him a shout. <laughs> Pick me up in your pontoon boat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get back to DFW. Uh, with that being said, we have interviewed 12 of the eventual 13 FBS head coaches. Shout out Sam Houston State. Jimbo Fisher, please give us a call. And as usual, you can watch. Uh, keep, in, keep tuned to us on Sunday as well for our recap edition. Thank you for watching us live. And as usual, go Rutgers. Go Rutgers.